Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are reading in the book of Romans. Now, oh, pardon me. I, I had some sneezing going on. I hope it's over. I apologize. <clears throat> anyway, so in chapter 5, now we're reading in the book of Romans. Now we read chapter 5 last time. In chapter 5, Paul explained how Adam, through the acts of one man, Adam, his disobedience, brought separation from God, death, spiritual death, brought separation from God, and how Jesus, another man, the Son of God, which Adam was of a type similar to Jesus, being that Adam was created first by God, so kind of as a Son of God as well. Um, but anyway, but through Jesus, one man, the Son of God, brought us back from separation to a point where we are not separated from God. We do not need to be separated from God. We can choose. That's really it. We can choose to not be separated from God. We can choose to have that right standing with God through Jesus. Now, not through anything we're doing. Uh, we can't earn it, but through Jesus, through his sacrifice, it's a gift. Pardon me, <clears throat> a little dry after the sneezing and everything, but I want to continue. I don't want to stop here. So, all right. So, let's see. And I looked specifically for a moment. I wanted to look specifically at verse, at chapter 5, verse 14, and read this in the Amplified. Well, let me read it in the ESV. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, because they had no law, and so their transgression, their sin, could not be counted the same. And Adam only had one rule, and he broke it. He disobeyed. So, um, <clears throat> anyway, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come comparing Adam to Jesus. If you read this in the Amplified, it says, Yet death ruled over mankind from Adam to Moses, the lawgiver, even over those who had not sinned as Adam did. Adam is a type of him, Christ, who was to come, but in reverse, Adam brought destruction, Christ brought salvation. But Adam was a son of God, and he should have not you know, brought about destruction, but nonetheless. Alright, so anyway, so in chapter 5, <clears throat> Paul was comparing, making that comparison and showing how Adam, through his disobedience, brought us separation and death from God, you know, spiritual death, separation from God, and how Christ was restoring us back to God. Now, of course, we have to make the choice. Okay, we do. We have to make the choice to, um, we have to choose God and choose the Lord Jesus, uh, choose to believe, and, um, <clears throat> you know, that we want to come to God. But we have that ability through Jesus to be back in right standing with God and to not be separated from God. All right, so, chapter 6, this is the book of Romans again, chapter 6. What shall we say then? 
Okay, hold on. Let's back up a couple of verses. Okay, so we're going to go up in chapter 5, verse 20. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, again, he was talking about one man's disobedience making us making everyone sinners, making putting everyone in the wrong and creating that separation. And then one man's obedience bringing about, you know, a change in our status and giving us the chance to be in right standing. Now the law, because the law is what it is, the law actually kind of increased sin because it Without without the law, you couldn't have sin because people couldn't really know. If people don't know what's right and wrong, then you can't really judge them to be doing wrong. So, But the law came to explain what was right and wrong. And that also brought with it the knowledge, more knowledge of sin and, and more wrongdoing in a way. And so there was more sin to be judged. But nonetheless, so um, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So now we're ready for chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. Again, don't take this as, oh, we should sin more so that grace can be more. That's, that's wrong thinking. That's, that's not a logical way of going. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? We died to sin with Jesus. We we crucified that old man. We've put away that sin, that sinful life. We're trying to move beyond that and follow Jesus. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Matter of fact, I'm going to try to just read this because for right now, I think Paul is going to do a much better job than me. So we're going to read through this and then we're going to come back. Okay, so <clears throat> let's just start with verse 1 again. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died in sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life, meaning that we're burying our old selves in baptism so that we may rise again, from the dead, not being separated from God anymore, but rise from the dead into a newness of life, being in right standing with God. So we're raising from the dead like our Lord. Um, but it's a spiritual thing. Okay, it's a, it's a very spiritual thing in that before Jesus, without the Lord, you are separated from God. You basically are spiritually dead. Even if you didn't feel like it, I mean, you know, and uh, because we don't go by our feelings. So through baptism, you're burying that old self and you're rising from the dead, from that separation from God into newness of life and being in right standing with God. 
For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So... <clears throat> We're united with Jesus when we when we go through a go through baptism. We're uniting with Him in a death like His, where we're going through death. But then we're united with Him in resurrection, just like I was saying. We're being raised again to live in right standing with God. So we know that our old self was crucified with Him. Jesus died to cover our old sins, our old things that. You know, that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Meaning that all the sin, all the things that we've done, all that is brought to nothing. God ignores all that. That's all wiped away by the blood of Jesus. We get our forgiveness and all that is blotted out and it becomes nothing. We're not going to be judged or punished on that. So, um, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin, because if you're doing sin, you become enslaved to it. You, you start hiding it. You start keeping it a secret. You start sneaking around. You just do all these little things, and suddenly you're, you're enslaved to that sin. You're doing that sin. You have to do this or that because you're, you have this going on that you're doing. And you just become enslaved to it. Even if you're not keeping it a secret, which not everyone does, you still become enslaved to your sin. Whether it be, well, it could be a number of things. If you lie, you start becoming enslaved to lying because you're trying to keep up with all your lies and you're trying to lie to everyone and it just becomes second nature to lie so much. Um, if you've ever met somebody like that, that can be very disconcerting to have somebody lie to you, even sometimes lie to you for no reason. <laughs> but um, that's just one example. But one who has died has been set free from sin. Okay, if, we've, if we have gone through baptism and we've let that old self die and we've rose again with Jesus to live a new life in right standing with God and we're no longer separated from God, then we're free from sin. We're free from that sin. We don't need to be enslaved to that anymore, and we shouldn't live that way anymore. Now, realistically, we know that it takes time to break habits and to get away from that. Especially some, some, some sins, some things that we're doing, it just takes time. And then sometimes you don't realize something you're doing is a sin. You learn that over time that, oh, that's wrong, I shouldn't do that. And so then you start to work on that. We're always a work in progress. We're always working. But the essence of it is, is what Paul is saying here. We have died with Christ, and we believe we also live with him. 
Okay, we know that Christ being raised from the dead, he will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The same is true for us in a spiritual way in that we will not spiritually die. Now this body won't pass away because that's the way things are made here, but we will not we will not die. Our spirit will go on with Christ and, and God. So for the death he died, speaking of Jesus, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And that's what we do. We live our life to God. Now, that means we also care about what God cares about. We love others. We love our neighbors. We love um, others as ourselves because God loves them. God loves everybody. He is no respecter of persons. He loves everybody and he wants everyone to be saved. So we must consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus. So you see we're changing our focus from from the separated sinful life where we're focused on ourselves and our sin and now we've moved over, we've been we've been raised again, we've been I, I'm, I feel like I'm saying that wrong. You have to tell me if I'm using the wrong verb or something. But anyway, we've been raised again. We've, we've risen from the dead with Jesus. And now our focus is on God. And on God's love and what God loves and what God cares about. Which is others. Not ourselves. And not sin. But it's others. And loving and caring about others. So... Let's let's move on. So, verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions, like we were talking about. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace." Because we are under grace, and that's our—that's the new covenant. Because we have died, and we are no longer separated from God, but we have died from that separation, and we've been brought into right standing with God. And we are not under the law, but we are under grace, under God's forgiveness, God's grace, and that is, you know, given to us through Jesus. All right, verse fifteen. So what then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, <clears throat> either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness so let me read this is another longer sentence <clears throat> with some thoughts to it okay uh, matter of fact this is a couple of long sentences so do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves you are slaves of the one whom you obey either of sin, which leads to death or disobedience, which leads, 
I'm sorry, which leads to death. Either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. So we have to choose. We're either going to be a slave of sin, which basically of ourselves, we're just going to be selfish and sinful, or we're going to be obedient and righteous and follow God and follow Jesus, and we're not going to be that selfish and sinful person. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin, because we all were, we all were and have been slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness, which is what we do. We choose God and the Lord to be our master, and we follow them. And so we become slaves, spiritually speaking, in a way, we become slaves to them. Which is much, much better than being a slave to selfishness and sinfulness. And notice it says, become ob- you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Now, I want to read that in the Amplified, so bear with me, because I feel like perhaps I am missing something here, and I just want to make sure that we have, get as much out of this as we can. Now, admittedly, I am not a perfect person, but uh, we'll just do the best we can, okay? All right, so we'll read this in the Amplified, and we'll see if this helps elaborate some, but thank God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient with all your heart to the standard of teaching in which you were instructed and to which you were committed. Okay. So, you know, as best you knew. As best you know. That's how that's how it always is. We're always committed and obedient in our heart to the best of our knowledge. Okay? We're always learning. So, your knowledge is going to change. So, to the standard of teaching in which you were instructed and to which you were committed. You can't be committed to something you don't know. So, you know, so that makes perfect sense. And having been set free from sin, you have become the slaves of righteousness, of conformity to God's will and purpose. Meaning, you know, we're changing and going to God and, you know, following that. Okay, so we've been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Now, verse 19, I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. Okay, so, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations because, you know, I'm speaking in human terms because, you know, you're not as spiritually far along, um, you know, you're still learning and growing, so you have natural, you know, you have natural limitations, any new Christian is going to have some natural limitations, and they're not going to know everything, and you have to learn and grow over time. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. So and this has to do with controlling ourselves and not sinning, okay, and not, not repeating those same sinful acts, you know, as we learn to not do these things, as we learn what is what we should and should not do, we, you know, we must follow that. 
So when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? Well, yeah, what fruit were you getting? But you were slaves when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness, meaning you didn't have to worry about being in right standing because you weren't in right standing. You were slaves of sin. You were doing selfish and sinful things, but you didn't know. Um, you didn't truly know or believe any differently. So, of course, you know. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus our Lord. <coughs> so, and there, that's that famous verse that we all know, right? For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I say that because we all, I mean, we all know that. Even if you don't know exactly where it is, we've all heard it. We all know that verse. So, here, you know, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Well, yeah. What fruit were you getting from that, at that time that you're now shamed? You know, you weren't really reaping anything good. For the end of those things is death. Of course it is. You're You're separated from God when you're when you're in that state, you're separated from God, you're spiritually dead, and the end of those things, the end of those selfish, sinful things, is death. Because you're just sowing seeds. When you're, when you're doing those things, you're sowing seeds of death, and you will reap what you sow. Um, you're, you're just gradually destroying and hurting yourself, and, you know, you can, you can very easily end up spiritually dead, and you don't want that. But now that you've been set free from sin, you've become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. The fruit of your life will be eternal life, but also, hopefully, eternal life for others. Maybe in some way you will contribute or uh, to their well-being or you will help bring them to God, any number of things. Hopefully, hopefully in some way you will, you know, you will have some impact. And it may be that you never know what that impact is or, or was, but regardless, you know, hopefully you will have that impact and you will be able to um, help someone in that regard. And then here Paul states this, this, this famous verse, he states this like it's a job, for the wages of sin is death. And it is, if you think about it. Sin has you enslaved and working hard and to do those things and to please yourself and, you know, it is work. It is hard work. And then the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not, it's not such a struggle. It's not so hard to, uh, to come to the Lord and to want to help others and, and help further that cause. That's, it may, in a way, I guess it is work. It's God's work, but it's uh, it's not the same. The reward is so much better, and it's not. It doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel like it's something hard and oppressive and difficult that you have to do. It feels like you want to do it.
you want to help others and you want to do more for the kingdom, more for God. So that is Romans chapter 6. And I guess if I was going to, you know, if I looked at this and I was going to summarize this, this is really all about being, you know, um, moved from the uh, separated from God state to the state of righteousness and the difference that means in that we should not be, not continue our sinning. You know, we should be dead to sin and alive and focused on God. So, that's just a real quick little summary. That's not, probably not perfect, but um, that's pretty much how I would think of that chapter. So anyway, that is the end of chapter 6. I want to thank you for listening. I hope that is useful to you. I know uh, right now things are still kind of crazy out in the world, so, uh, you know, watch out. Watch out for yourself and your family, and, you know, remember that uh, other people are going through the same things, and, and we're all, you know, we're all kind of in the same boat, so let's just try to be kind to each other, and remember that God loves you.